As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable! D. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, and we are coming to you before Thanksgiving. We wanted to give you guys an episode for your Thanksgiving commutes, and we have news out of Celtics land We'll also be uh, talking about the rookies, Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Pritchard? Pritchard? Why not? Uh, They had their opening press conference today, and we'll get to all sorts of questions from you, the listeners out there. But first, we got to talk about the startling news if you're a Celtics fan. I think Brad Stevens appearing on the Bob Ryan podcast said that Kemba Walker is not likely going to be ready for uh, opening night. Not too like, surprising. Give, give my guy Jeff Goodman some credit, too. I believe it's the Goodman and, and Ryan podcast. Well, Jeff Goodman also gets credit for being part of the podcast. But uh, the news is Kemba is not going to be ready opening night. Not very surprising, given the very short turnaround, which actually, Jay, you wrote about today with respect to the rookies. But Kemba Walker, uh, ailing knee, was clearly not 100% in the playoffs. Danny Ainge was very willing to talk about how not 100% Kemba was uh, in the playoffs, which was just 
in August and September. So uh, Brad Stevens basically saying they're going to have to ramp him up uh, back to playing. Not a good sign for the Celtics because little thing about them losing Gordon Hayward is that their margin for error has uh, been reduced significantly. And uh, if one of their main guys is hurt, like Kemba seems like he's going to be hurt or misses a lot of time, the Celtics are have much less talent on this team than they did last year. Yeah, uh, there's and there's a big drop off from Kemba to Jeff Teague, who could be the opening night starter. So. Wow. Maybe Marcus Smart will just start there, but who starts on the wing if Marcus Smart starts at point guard? There like there like is no other wing option, really. The thing that's worrisome about Kemba is that Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, and Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson opening night starting lineup. Not great. I mean, it's still I pretty bet, good, but, but like is that like the leader in the clubhouse right now? I think that makes more sense than starting Jeff Teague uh, opening night, but I don't know. We'll get to this later when the, cause we got a lot of questions about the lineup, but talking about Kemba, I think the most concerning thing is that he had what four months uh, in between when the Celtics stopped playing basketball to when the, uh, they kind of started back up in the bubble. They were very cautious with Kemba in the bubble, ramping him back up, basically playing three minutes extra each night. He didn't really play a full load of minutes until the playoffs. I know the playoff basketball is quite demanding, but he clearly wasn't 100%. If rest isn't enough to hurt, like fix his knee, we haven't heard any reports of him having like surgery or anything like that. Is At what point is his knee going to get better? Is he going to be able to get through 72 games and be healthy uh, when the playoffs come around next year? Or is it just kind of doomed? Uh, I'm not a knee specialist, but... I, I don't like the signs of things at this point. Yeah, it's it's definitely not great news for Kemba Walker, especially considering that he's a six-foot point guard who relies on his stopping and starting and speed to create opportunities both inside and outside the arc. I'll read the exact quote because I think it's probably important to have the exact quote that Brad Stevens said. He said, very similar to what we did at the beginning of the bubble, I think there will be a transition like that because of the shortened season, the shortened offseason. It'll be some time before he's going full speed for us for sure. Steven said um, Walker, he he wasn't like committal that Walker will miss the start of the season, but it definitely seems like he'll be on a minutes restriction for a while and could miss practices early on. So this is going to be a thing. It's it's going to be a thing for a long time. And I do think that that's part of the reason why acquiring Jeff Teague was important because then you you at least get a veteran point guard who's been there before, who who knows things, and who can give you a little creativity either off the bench or if for whatever reason they want to start him in Kemba's spot. Um, I just think it's nice to have that layer of creativity compared to what the Celtics had last year when Brad Wanamaker was often like the only guard they used off the bench. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not good, man. And and you wonder long-term, like, how's Kemba going to get over this? It, it, he had a four-month hiatus, came back, still wasn't right. This is a 
two and a half, three month off season coming back to Celtics anticipate he won't be right. So it's, it's concerning long-term it's concerning short-term. And like you said, the Celtics don't have as, as much depth at the top of their roster as they did a week ago. So this is uh, not great. Worth monitoring. Yes. Let's put it that way. Definitely an important situation to monitor because even if they do like kind of like Kawhi levels of low load management, like say Kemba doesn't play back to backs. It's actually kind of crazy that we don't know what the schedule will be at this point, but I'm assuming that there's going to be a slight increase in back to backs just because it seems like they're trying to fit. They're actually playing less games, but if it's in a shorter time frame. If Kemba just doesn't play back-to-backs, how does that affect the Celtics' record next season when the Bucs seemingly got better, the Sixers seemingly got better, the Nets are going to have a returning KD? Um, The competition in the East is going to be pretty difficult, and standings are going to matter. Like If you are in the top two of the East compared to the kind of middle four, that's going to have a huge impact on the playoffs. The Celtics just going to be able to have to – I don't want to say punch, like they're clearly going to like be competitive in these games, but not having Kemba Walker in back-to-backs is certainly going to hurt their ability to like tally up wins in a semi-shortened season in a, in a more competitive East. Yeah, I, I really think, I'm starting to think Grant Williams as a starter could be a thing. I think it could be a thing. because we- Just because the Celtics don't have many wings and they don't have much perimeter depth. And starting Grant like allows you, especially if Kemba's going to miss time, it would allow you to first of all have a really good defensive lineup. If you have Grant and Daniel Tice or Grant and Tristan Thompson with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart, that is an insane defensive lineup. Like that, they'll shut down anybody. Um, and then number two. Like it just allows you to keep Teague on on the bench. They've got to find something out of one of their young wings at least, and then Shemi Ojale can play like the backup four. Tristan Thompson or Tice, whoever doesn't start, can be the backup center. And I think the Celtics have a chance to be a really, really good defensive team this year. Um, it's, and if and if Kemba's out, like their defense actually does get better. I think leaning into defense could be something that they really, really need to try to do early on while they figure out like what's going on with the young wings, who's ready for minutes. Um, Romeo Langford, he's probably not going to be ready for the start of the season. So, Neesmith, good luck, bro. You're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be probably playing some minutes right away. Well, let's let's dive into the the starting lineup now because you got a couple of questions about it, and we'll we'll shake things up a bit. Hypothetical land, let's say Kemba is healthy. I think the the locks are Kemba, Jalen, and Jason are going to be in the starting lineup. If they're leaning into defense, it seems like you've bought in, and this has been a, a starting Grant Williams thing. I think you've you, you've floated the idea yeah, but- about a week ago. Yeah, I, I I said that, but I think the most obvious solution is just start Marcus Smart instead of Gordon Hayward, like they did during the playoffs last year. He's clearly a better player than anybody else they could start. But I do think because of the texture of the roster, um, that 
like balancing out the units and bringing some sort of presence off the bench could be some sort of perimeter presence off the bench could be useful. Who is their fifth best player at this point? We talked a lot last year about how the Celtics really couldn't play their top five guys because it was those small lineup and it just didn't really work. It feels like there's the three guys I mentioned and then Marcus Smart. Is Daniel Tice their fifth best player? Is it Tristan Thompson? Probably one of those two guys, right? Make a pick, Jay King. Who is better at basketball right now, Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson? That is a very good question. They are both If you had to grade Tristan Thompson's performance last year, would you be an A- minus type of grade or like a B I, type of grade? I would say B+. Plus. He uh, would be a, a B+. Like plus a high B+. Plus. We're talking like the 86, 87 range or like an, a nice 88, 89? Uh, probably like 88, 89, just, just about so, where Tice was. So you just refuse to make a pick on who do you think's better? I'm going to go with Daniel Tice at this point. I just think he offers you more versatility in terms of defense. I know Tristan Thompson is going to be a better rebounder and, um, certainly kind of a more of a defensive threat in terms of rim protection. But I think Daniel Tice, because he can, uh, come out and shoot the ball a little bit, certainly more than Tristan Thompson, cohesiveness with the unit like the Celtics as you mentioned they had one of the top five defenses in the league last year largely with Daniel Tice at center uh, I just think there's a little bit more of what they can do that allows Brad to go with this kind of five out or um, offense and just give more space into the floor I think the numbers are going to prove out that the, the team will be better with Tice um, than with Thompson so I think Tice is the fifth best player but this is based on not having watched uh, probably three Tristan Thompson games over the past uh, two years. So I don't I'm know. not, I'm not sure you're giving Thompson's defensive versatility enough credit. Like he can move. Can, his he, feet. can he jump out on the wing and block Trey young to win a basketball game? Can he do that? I mean, he's spent time guarding Stephen Curry in isolation in the NBA finals. So, so is Kevin love. Is he a good defender? No, but he had one <laughs> hell of a stop. One yeah, hell one of a hell stop, of stop from Kevin Love. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know who's better. I do think Tristan Thompson gives the Celtics a different element in that he's a little bigger, a little stronger. Um, and he's a, he's a hell of a rebounder. And I, I think more importantly for the Celtics is just having two of those guys. Two guys you can really rely on defensively two guys that you can trust will know where they need to be on the court. So cough, cough, Robert Williams. Um, not Don't exactly. cough, cough. If we're talking Time Lord slander, we come out and say it. We stand behind it. Yes. Fine. I stand Time Lord behind doesn't know Robert where Williams he needs to be on the court. Does not always times. know where he needs to be on the court. Um, and then, yeah, are, are we going to power rank the Celtics right now? Let's power rank the Celtics. All right. Well, you, I asked you to power rank the Celtics, and you couldn't even give me a five six. So Tatum won. Tatum, Jalen, Kemba, Marcus, Tice, Thompson, Grant Williams, a whole bunch of nonsense after that. Teague. I guess Teague. Are we getting Minnesota Teague? Or are we getting Atlanta Teague? I think I think you get Minnesota Teague. Well, I'll put Minnesota Teague up there, but then after that, there's really it's question marks up and down the board. Healthy Romeo, I think could could slide in there. I have no idea. And this, I think, we can use this to transition into uh, the Celtics rookie press conference today. Before getting back to the questions, 
Aaron Neesmith was asked today what he needs to do to contribute to this roster. I think it was by a friend of the pod, John Corrales, and he had an absolutely perfect quote. He just said, I, I don't know. We've never been in the NBA before. <laughs> it was, it was like, great. Corral, Corrales was like, yeah, Gordon Hayward's gone. Like there's, there's clearly a spot available. Like what, what do you need to do to, to kind of fill in there? And he was like, man, I don't know. We, we fucking got drafted last week. Like we don't, we just fucking signed our contracts today, bro. You think I, you think I know what I'm going to do in the NBA level? No. No, they seem to have no idea. Like no one took the bait. I, otherwise it was a pretty, I mean, are there other takeaways from the rookie press conference? Uh, someone tried to ask uh, Peyton Pritchard about taking the number 11, and he was like, yeah, I'm aware of some guys in the past who have worn that jersey, but I just – it was my second choice after three. That That is my least favorite question ever to Celtics rookies. Like, Why did you pick that number? Everyone's answer is always well, because this- it was the only fucking number available. <laughs> That's why. Well, this was trying to bait him into, like, the Kyrie Irving, like – I'm going to make sure this number's retired. I was trying to bait him into that response, but yeah, uh, it, it's a bad question, but I'm if trying to think about it. If retired, it'll be for Evan Turner. And so it will be retired hope. by the beat writers. <laughs> if we just retire his number up in the media room, just put it up with a number 11. In honor of quote God, Evan Turner, that number should never be worn again. If Evan Turner ever becomes a member of the media, we're all... We're just not, I'm just not going to have a job anymore. Like if you would, would you much rather listen to an Evan Turner hosted podcast about the Celtics than a Sam Packard hosted podcast? Maybe I'll reach out and see if he wants to be our third co-host. I mean, he's been listed on um, like available free agent lists. And I just don't know if that's in the cards for um, the logo, you know, it's just not going to necessarily come through for him. So if he doesn't get a veteran minimum, I would absolutely welcome here on. on And if he does, if he does, it would it would be even better to have an, a current NBA player as our co-host. That's a good point. It would give us some cachet. Well, we certainly are lacking in cachet. Um, <laughs> any other observations from the Celtics rookie um, press conferences that they they didn't really say anything interesting whatsoever? No, they 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 did not. Um, I am struck by how quick the turnaround is going to be from these guys getting drafted to two weeks later, these guys being in an NBA training camp, a real NBA training camp, not a summer league. Like they're not going to get any summer league. They're not going to get any time to learn the system. It's just like, here you go. Fucking hop right into this thing. You've got a game in less than a month. So, and, and Brad hasn't been very nice to rookies in terms of doling out playing times. You tend to have to know it, it, well, what you're that doing. That depends. Who's who? I think that that's I mean, a, Jason Tatum did start every like, but that was Tatum started Jalen. That was because Hayward got hurt. Jalen played like 17 or 18 minutes on a really good team. Um, Marcus Smart started or played like a significant role from the start. You're talking about like high lottery picks compared to not high lottery picks. But I'm saying most of the guys he hasn't played just have haven't been very good. Like, like you're. Well, are Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard any good? I, I, that is very much <laughs> a question power, mark. Power rank point. them, Jay. Where are, where do but, they go? But I'm saying, like, like good players. Grant Williams even played a fair amount as a rookie. It wasn't like Brad just sat him at the end of the bench. I mean, it, but it took longer into the season to for Grant Williams he, to get he more. He tried more playing minutes. Carson. He tried playing Carson at the start of the season, and Carson was like, "Sorry, bro, I'm not ready for this." Um, so I think, I think it's, it's kind of, 
overstated that Brad doesn't give rookies chances. I I think he tends to let them play. And he's quick. He's quick with the pull rookies, though. After making mistakes, I'll say that gives him an opportunity. But he's that they have much shorter of a leash, which is probably well, what you should do with the rookies. Jason Tatum. I mean, not that he made many mistakes, but like he was going to play his thirty minutes a game. It it was after Gordon Hayward had a horrific ankle injury that opened up a giant spot on the wing. Like, I mean, but well, the, he, that, was, the he, thing, was start, he was starting no matter what. The Celtics now have a large opening on the wing, and so you would imagine Neesmith would get more opportunities than necessarily Peyton Pritchard. But if Kemba is going to be hurt, they might need a, an available option at guard, maybe a four-year starter at Oregon. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a wild turnaround. They haven't met the team yet. Like They're talking about that, and they're putting like Peyton Pritchard's like, yeah, I've been in the same room as Jason Tatum like four times, so played against Jalen Brown twice play board games against Grant Williams and like they're going to go from like basically just whatever they're doing now, the workouts they have now to like full team practices in about a week, like doesn't training yeah. camp start next week and they're going to have to fully go on. Do you think Grant Williams is still going to be uh, or treated as a rookie? Cause I feel like he's still um, kind of like a nerd status and he's never going to get like rid of that. I feel, well, I mean, Peyton Pritchard during the introductory press conference today, was like, yeah, Grant says he's been beating us. He hasn't. I feel like Grant is just going to get hazed by everyone as if he's a rookie forever. I feel like Grant is the guy who other teammates just shit on. He's got he's nerd good. aura. He's just got nerd just aura, too- and he leans into it, and he he's okay with with taking jokes because he's really comfortable with who he is. Like that's a good thing. Um, so I think he's always going to be the butt of jokes as if he's a rookie, no matter how many years he plays in the NBA and he'll probably play in the NBA for a long time. His his development to me is one of the more interesting factors for this season because I think the way the roster is right now after the Celtics acquired Tristan Thompson like they're not going to have much time at the 5. They're really not. And and so I think Grant's versatility to play the 4 and he didn't really play the four too much during his rookie season, especially later in the year. They just kind of determined he's only a small ball five, and or what, that that was, was his he, like primary role. What did you think he was when he like they had a few moments of uh, him and Shemi, whereas like the entire front court is he a small ball four or small ball five in that lineup? Probably the five, yeah, five. But I I think this year playing the four would be a big deal for him. And I think to do that, he's got to shoot it a little better than he did during the regular season. Um, He's He's got to maintain that playoff percentage, that playoff streak. He's got to be more willing to like play make a little bit. And there is a lot of playmaking within him. Like during college, he was really good at a lot of that stuff. And he showed some of it. Like he's a, he's a good passer. He can handle the ball a little bit. Like he's not without that stuff, but he turned the ball over a lot as a rookie. Didn't show, too much of that um so i feel like there's a lot of room for growth for him and that if he if he can handle those minutes at the four and can like and and their offense can be credible with him at that position i think their defense could really benefit from that because having williams alongside thompson or tice like they're just going to be sturdier and stronger and 
and switchable too. Like the the versatility in those lineups could be huge. So he he's like a swing factor for this team. I, I've got I've got his ability to play the four and hold up offensively as as one of the key factors for this team. That's a big big statement from Jay King. Unwilling to say who's better, Tice or Tristan Thompson, but going out on a limb saying Grant Williams' development's a big swing factor. Let's. Let's hop into some of the questions there because it's kind of related to that. This one's from Donald at overrated Stevens. So we, we know where he lays in respect to Brad. Do you think Tice has the quickness to be able to play power forward? And if so, do you think that would help the rotation out? You talk about basically the two centers, Tyson Thompson, most likely taking up all the center minutes. Do you think there's a chance that those two guys could be on the court together I flat out don't think so. Like Tice is just not a power forward in this league. He's just doesn't have the skill set. Yeah, I I think the Celtics tried that a little bit during Tice's rookie season and then just shelved it and decided this ain't going to work. He's just a five, and he's been a five for the last two years. He was a really good five last season. Um, I think, like I said, Grant Williams is the one who has some potential to play at the four. And, like, honestly, the Robert Williams, the way this roster is set up, I don't see him getting much time. And I know that's going to piss off some people, but I just think that you've got to play Daniel Tice. You've got to play Tristan Thompson. Robert Williams, like, he's going to have to really show that he's improved from last season to get a, to get what a is, fair amount of playing time. What does Robert Williams give you that another, like, that Tristan Thompson doesn't give you other, like – Tristan Thompson, obviously Robert Williams can jump higher than Tristan Thompson and is more of a lob threat. But Tristan Thompson's still like, I watched a whole monta- video montage of Tristan Thompson just dunking over Miles Turner. And he's st- Tristan Thompson can still go up and get the basketball. He's clearly not as like above the rim a player as Time Lord, but I don't know what Time Lord gives you right now that's necessarily another center on the team doesn't give you. And so I don't know exactly what his role is. That's the thing. Like last season... He was the backup center with like size, height, and quick feet. And this year, the Celtics have a backup center with size and quick feet. And he was your only rim running threat. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's Robert Williams is going to really have to show that he deserves minutes. He's not going to get give it, them given to him because like Ennis Cantor isn't ready for certain matchups. That's not going to happen this year. Tyson, Tristan Thompson are like kind of matchup proof. So, I mean, it's, it's time for the time Lord to, to earn his keep. He's gotta, he's gotta show something. Okay. This goes back into more centers question. This is from washed up double Eagle. Is Brad going to force Tristan Thompson to shoot threes? And is Brad forcing Tristan Thompson to shoot threes going to force me to shoot myself? I think it's an interesting question. I don't uh, think you should shoot yourself, but how much does Tristan Thompson fit into uh, – is he going to be a three-point shot? I mean, we saw Aaron Baines is the most like recent kind of big, traditional rim-protecting big man. We saw him step out and shoot some threes, but only really in the playoffs – is that a way for the Time Lord to get onto the court? Is kind of being more of a dynamic offensive threat? How much do you expect uh, Tristan Thompson to be out on the perimeter? What's what should the Celtics like look for in terms of their their more interior bigs? 
Yeah, I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to be a three-point shooter. He's just never struck me as as that type of of shooting threat. Like Baines had, he could always shoot from mid-range. I think his free throw percentage was always pretty good. Tristan Thompson's free throw percentage has always been bad. If, if I remember he correctly. He switched hands. Yeah, he switched hands early in his career from – from his his initial hand he, on basketball reference he it, it has him left and then that is crossed out and now it says right for a shooting hand so it was so bad that he had to switch hands so I, like that's yeah, a great touch by basketball reference they, they got some good stuff going on there they got good nicknames they keep it funny uh in their information but you, like you always think like when evaluating draft players it's always like oh what's their free throw percentage that's going to be like their st- shooting stroke and that's how they're going to translate if the man had to switch his hand for shooting free throws, I don't think his like shooting stroke necessarily translates out to three point land. I actually think Robert Williams has more of a chance of becoming like a three point guy just because I've watched him in enough warmups to like, take that shot. I don't think it's highly likely, but I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of affects the, what the Celtics do on offense, just because if you talk about Grant Williams playing a lot more minutes, just the Celtics have not played a lot of two big uh, lineups and their offense is a lot predicated on playing five out or the big, like, like if you watch the Celtics offense, they're like, they don't start a lot of sets with the the big down in the post. And especially if they have two guys, they're just going to be curious how they, uh, how it affects their spacing. Cause I know that just, they just want more space. And so, Maybe that's a way for the Time Lord to get more minutes is to kind of step out more and be more of a – but they don't really have a – the Celtics don't have a pick-and-pop threat right th- at this point. Like, it's just not a part of their arsenal and not something I expect to see next season. You know what I kind of think they should do? I think they should do more using Jalen as a screener, as a pick-and-pop guy. Because I think he could be incredible in that role. Because, obviously, he, could, he can really shoot it now. And – Compared to f- most fours, and he can play the four now and often does play the four. He was probably the power forward, starting power forward last season. Um, He's just going to be so much faster and more athletic than guys. And I think if you get him dealing with closeouts, I just think the Celtics probably didn't utilize that enough last season. Um, And I think that, that could be something they look to more. And then I think – but if you have like more like say you have a bigger lineup on the court, then hypothetically the teams opposing teams like shooting guard, more athletic guys are going to be guarding Jalen more likely for switching. It's like it's not like then you're you attacking get a, a guy on Tatum, you know, or or you get like like I, I just think that there are ways to attack that. Um and I and and if they if they do play bigger and I think they they will play bigger because I think they the have re- to play bigger because they just don't have the roster right now unless Aaron Neesmith steps up as like the just a forty percent three point shooter and just a, a usable defender. Yeah, I think the reason they've played smaller the last couple of years is because they just those were their best players. Like wings were that was their strong suit, and now and perimeter guys they had a lot of them now, not so much. Not so much, especially on the bench, um, and especially if Marcus Smart does start, which, like I said, that's the obvious solution to Gordon Hayward going. So I I am interested to see what the young guys bring. 
And I think it would be huge for the Celtics if at least one of those guys hits. Like they don't need they don't need everyone to hit, but one of Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, and Romeo Langford. It's basically be, it's Neesmith and Langford to me at this point. Like Peyton, they don't need Peyton like just because of positions, they need some sort of production from the bench off the wing. And they've put two technically lottery picks into Romeo and Neesmith. Like they need some sort of production from them just to balance out the rosters. So they're not forced to go too big. So they can be more versatile. So they can have the option of going small and actually like playing uh, a five out lineup. It's just, they need some sort of production from those guys I think anything Peyton Pritchard gives you at this point is is gravy, but um, like that like Thanksgiving plug right there, gravy. But um, we'll get to more Thanksgiving discussions later in the questions. I just want to give a quick shout out to – I feel like we talked about the rotation, but we got a lot of rotation questions, starting lineups questions. So shout out to James Michael, my main man, uh, Eddie, Truth Faustino, Tom Tom, 0837272. Uh, a lot of questions about the starting five, acknowledging that those people uh, asked those questions. My man, Hoops, uh, asked who's most likely to be stepped forward as a rotation guy, but I feel like you answered that as Grant. But I also want to give Hoops a shout-out for going through and answering all of our uh, questions for this um, for this mailbag. But moving forward. Wait, he went through on Twitter and just answered everybody? Answered every single one. I love that great. move. Yeah, strong like, move. Like fuck, fuck the podcast. You guys don't have to listen to that. Just see my wisdom. Yeah, and that's what that's a strong power play by hoops, and I respect it. I do too. All right, this question's from Chris Mercurio, C Merc Five. Where do you put the Celtics in the East? He thinks that they're closer to the top, but he, like me, is a huge homer. But the Celtics uh, got definitively worse this offseason if you're just looking at talent level where do you think they rank right now i know you're not a big power rankings guy you know you don't want to put them up against the other teams in the east but that's what the listeners want you to do jay so right now tell me what seed they are in the east looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. They are going to be the third seed. Ooh, that's better than I thought you were going to say. It's going to be the third seed. Behind um, who? The Bucks. I'm I assuming is your number Mil- one. Mil- Milwaukee will win a lot of regular season games again. And then probably get beat in the second round or Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Do you believe in the number, heat and heat no- culture? 
Number two, I I think the Heat, they have the edge right now. I'm going to put them two. I think the Nets have a chance to be playoff killers, but I just think with Kevin Durant coming back from Achilles, with Kyrie usually missing a lot of games in a season, I just think regular season-wise, they won't be at the same level as other teams. And then... I think Toronto is Took up a step there. Back. Toronto got worse, just like the Celtics. Yeah, and then uh, and then Philly. Philly got a lot better. Philly, Philly definitely got better. I think Philly has a chance to really have a good season. I would agree with you. I would put the Bucks, Philly, as my top two, and then I think the Celtics are in a tier with the Heat and the Nets. I we just have no idea what Kevin Durant's going to be because he hasn't played basketball in a while. I would bet on him being good, uh, but it's just really hard to know what they're going to be in the regular season. I still don't believe in Heat culture. The Heat were the um, what six seed this year in the regular season. They had a heck of fifth, a run in the playoffs. Fifth, fifth. fifth seed. They weren't great in a like regular season team. I know that their team came um, together late with like those trades. I think they're going to miss Jay Crowder. Um, just because uh, I like Jay Crowder, but I also think he played huge minutes for them uh, in the playoffs and they lost him. I don't know what exactly the Heat did to really drastically improve um, their team where it feels like the Sixers made significant steps, the Bucks made some significant steps, the Nets just by getting KD back made some steps. I think the Raptors got a whole lot worse um, just because they lost uh, Serge Ibaka and then like basically – gave Fred Van Vliet, Joe Harris money. Um, just, I just don't know how they improved their roster that much. Aaron Baines is a solid player, but I just don't know if he is like a solidifies them as a, a great team. Maybe Pascal Siakam makes the jump, but um, it's going to be interesting for the Celtics because I do think seeding is going to matter. And I do think they took a step back in terms of talent. And I think that's going to have its biggest impact in regular season games. You're not going to have the random games where if Jason Tatum's hurt or Kemba's not playing on a back-to-back that you can have Hayward just step in and give you 20 and 10. Like then you're going to, you might really struggle with some games of Jeff Teague starting and, you know, someone else is hurt. So you're going to have to go to 25 minutes of Romeo Langford. And it could, I think it has the potential to hurt the Celtics regular season record. Maybe it's yeah. a better fit for the playoffs. Like there might like a better constructed team in terms of matchups and things like that. But I just think the level of talent has uh, gotten worse and their margin for error is like that much smaller. Yeah, I think, and I saw someone put this on Twitter. I don't know who it was, but it was a smart tweet. Um, the Celtics definitely got worse from a talent perspective, but probably got better from what was their playoff team last year. Like, they didn't really have Gordon Hayward during the postseason. They certainly didn't have Gordon Hayward as he was during the regular season because when he came back from injury, he was not himself during that Heat series. Um, So they basically lost Ennis Cantor and Brad Wanamaker from that playoff rotation and got Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. This is a Sam Sheehan take, and you give him the credit he deserves. Was that Sheehan? Yeah. Yeah. Shouts to Sheehan. I do think that that's a good take when it comes to the team they had in the playoffs. But I also think like last year's Eastern Conference playoffs was not as competitive as this year's will be. 
and they didn't have and, to face the Bucks. They and they didn't have to like go to Toronto and like face them in home court advantage. And I agree. I don't. I don't it was like a completely different situation. And so yeah. also that's everything being right on paper. But as we saw in last year's playoffs, you can like the roster might not necessarily be intact. And so, yes, if the Celtics are completely healthy headed into the playoffs, it's like they have are probably a better team. But we don't even know if Kemba Walker can make it that far with like being completely healthy. And so it's it's going to be very interesting to see how they maintain health um, moving forward. Yeah, they. I mean – knock on wood like Tatum and Brown have typically been pretty durable during their careers and Celtics will need them to be because honestly an injury to one of those wings like they're already so thin on the wing and it it would be enormous for them if Neesmith is just ready to play from day one absolute sniper he is hilariously confident about his shooting which I respect um sounds like someone else we know but today he got he got asked about his whether his shooting will translate, and he was kind of like, uh, "Yeah, I'm not going to change anything. Footwork's the same. The form's the same. Yeah, footwork will stay the, the same. same. Warm up will stay the same. Like you're a fucking moron if you think it's not going to translate to the NBA level, bro. So just I, ask Carson Edwards. It's not that easy. Although Carson was not a 50 percent three point shooter, although. Neesmith only did that in 14 games against a non-conference schedule, but we won't we won't slander Green Bean like that. Um, speaking of shooting, question comes from Neesmith is legit or CFB hoops. How many points would Jam Packers score in a three-point contest setting with the racks if he was on the clock? So if I had a minute, 25 basketballs, how many points do you think I'm getting? Seven, eight. Yeah, no, I think that's about right. Um, I'm not a good shooter. I am wildly inconsistent. I feel like that drill is about consistency and having the right form. I think I have the most variance. I think I could go anywhere from two to 15, but like yeah. most likely it would be seven. I just, I'm not NBA a good threes shooter. are deep too. Like that is a long shot. I would have to make my money in the corners. Um, not a good shooter just not good at basketball generally. Uh, but Jay, I'll turn the question around. How many points do you think you could get in a three-point contest? All of them. I guess shooters just have that mentality. Yeah, you actually, just don't no. think it's going to translate to the NBA. Your, foot, I was, your footwork's I was, not going to change. Your form's not going to change. I was in a three-point contest with the rack one time in my life. And uh, it was a high school all-star game. And it was nice like, flex, nice flex. It was me and three other guys were in the, the shooting contest. And no lie, it's so weird to just reach down to a um, the rack. Like it's such a different motion than you're used to and totally different rhythm. I airballed the first shot. Like, I don't know how many people were there. There, there were there were. How enough do you people, recover from that? There were enough people there that I was like, oh, fuck. Like I just fucking airballed in a fucking three point contest, and uh, I ended up doing pretty well. I, I didn't win the thing, but I, I think I came in second um, out of four. But the the first shot, I, I I was thinking to myself like, God damn, that looked bad. So that give us a number. Up. How many? How many think you could hit knock down? Uh, was it max thirty? Yeah. So twenty five shots 
to so I, I got to give myself that that opening air ball. Um, so twenty nine. <laughs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, this question is from. This isn't even a question. But I just want to shout out Swaggy M, Mister Pure Intensity. Jay, I don't have a question, but just wanted to wish you and Jam Packard an uh, awesome, happy Thanksgiving. Fuck Thanks. Thanksgiving. <laughs> My first reaction was just like, what? Like, what an irrational take. But then I realized you're giving props to um, Kyrie Irving, who has some legitimate um, concerns with the uh, history of Thanksgiving and the treatment of uh, Native people in our land. But um, that was I was not prepared for that. Uh, so uh, it transitions nicely to our next question. Um, that was smooth by you. This is from Wonder Bread. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Ooh, I, I gotta go with stuffing. My my dad actually cannot make shit. He is absolutely useless in hey, the kitchen. Hey, I will not take any Mister King slander on this podcast. He is this podcast's biggest fan, and he is my biggest supporter. And I will. He, I'm sure he cooks up a great stuffing, but I'm sure he cooks up everything else great. So no, no, none of my, that. My dad is absolutely useless in the kitchen, but he makes a mean stuffing. And there's just bread. All- they just you just stuffing bread bits into a turkey. What makes it? What makes the king stuffing so good? I don't know, but that shit is that shit is moist. That shit is delicious. <laughs> that shit is. I mean, it, it really is special. My dad. God bless him. He's he's a horrible, horrible, horrible cook. <laughs> I said stop it. He's but, a saint. But his stuffing, I gotta give I gotta give him respect. You go gravy on stuffing? No, his is good enough. I don't even fuck with gravy. That's impressive. I would like to be sent a port if if there's any way you could just uh, FedEx me some stuffing from the King household Thanksgiving, that would be wonderful. I think stuffing is argue is there's no argument. It's the clearly the best thing about Thanksgiving. Uh it's the best food. I'm not a there's nothing else that really is in competition. I'm not a big turkey guy. No, turkey's overrated. Makes it uh, sleepy. I mean, I, I think, think I'm. I think everybody's on board with turkey is not great, but everyone has it during Thanksgiving anyway. I think there should be a move away from turkey. I think we should make another meat, a better meat, the the national meat of Thanksgiving. Give me that meat, bro. What's the meat? You going ham? Yeah, nice pheasant steak. Ham's ham's a Christmas type thing, you know. You can't you can't know, but, steal well, you can't steal Christmas's meat. But if you're saying Christmas has like a historical thing, maybe maybe with wild here, boar. You just got thirty to forty wild boars in your front yard, and you blow them out <laughs> with an AK. And you, I mean, I think I think we're stuck with turkey. I don't know if there's really much we can do. Um, after that and so i mean you just accept it and move on i would just say make there's actually a turkey surplus this year because people are having kind of smaller thanksgivings and so there's actually do your part just eat more turkey because turkey farmers of america are really struggling with the surplus right now and so can we make like lobster a thanksgiving thing i don't i think lobster's very overrated lobster is just a way to hold butter It's, it's better than turkey bro well you're a turkey bro can we make salmon? That's a classy affair. That would that would make it. Uh, now that's a that's a meal I might want to attend. I might wear a, a fancy vest for that, and uh, maybe use a paper napkin. See. Now, um, speaking of food, Keith Smith uh, asks when your next food challenge is going to be, Jay. I have retired from the food challenge game. 
unless people want to raise upwards of ten thousand dollars for some charity. Jay King is saying, "Put your money on the table, and then I will eat. I'm not eating for less anything less than ten stacks." The the price of eating has gone up, ladies and gentlemen. All right, ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. If you guys have ten thousand dollars for a charity, Jay King will engorge himself with Thanksgiving, even his dad's stuffing. But if the money's not there, he's not doing it. I think we should finish out with two. We started this uh, podcast talking about Kemba Walker, and I think we're going to finish it with Kemba Walker. Two amazing quotes from Taylor Rooks's GQ piece about the um, NBA bubble. It was a fascinating kind of look behind the scenes of the NBA bubble. It was really cool hearing about like uh, teams playing, like watching different games, like kind of together, all the different interactions. But uh, when this article came out, me and you both uh, kind of highlighted. Uh, two fantastic Kemba quotes. First, I'll go. Uh, Taylor Rooks was talking about kind of like the clicks that naturally formed uh, in the bubble and saying that Javante Green, Kemba Walker, and Tatum were uh, kind of a major click she always saw going around. And so it starts off with saying is Tatum would be um, interesting beverages that Tatum would drink from Hennessy and pineapple, Crown Royale, Crown Royale apple, and Moscato. So just interesting off the bat, but the, the Kemba quote was saying Tatum, before I met you, I thought you were just like the epitome of a light skinned dude with good hair who went to Duke, but being around you, you're just a country dude from St. Louis, which is just absolutely hilarious to me because I had the same thoughts about like Tatum just being this kind of Duke uh, douchebag, but calling him a country dude from St. Louis, I do not think of uh, Jason Tatum as country whatsoever. That is the most New Yorker, like urban city kid thing to say. Just like anyone south of Newark is a a, a country dude from St. Louis. Yeah, that that great quote, great quote. He's basically like, I really thought you were gonna be an a, asshole, like a, a <laughs> stuck up douchebag. And and, you and you're just what? a guy who likes to put you're... two and a half packages of Kraft macaroni and cheese on his tacos. You are you are more of a normal dude. So <laughs> yeah, salute salute to the Kemba. I just had two great quotes, man. Well, the let's, other one let's was hear your guy. your your favorite Kemba quote. Yeah, I mean you you've got it right there, don't you? I don't, but I know what the so they're playing the game heads up where you have to guess uh, what. Uh, what the thing is on someone's forehead. And so the clue was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And Kemba Walker said, I'm trying to pull up now, but I, I, I want to do it justice because it was a brilliant turn of phrase. I'm trying to find it too on my timeline. I'm glad you were prepared when you brought this up. Well, you know, I, I came prepared with my quote, so I thought you might be able to like, you said, you you talked about it. Um you didn't prepare me for for what I was gonna need to do. So if, if you had, I've got it here. Once th- this is from the Taylor Rooks' story, she said, "Once I played heads up the charades like game where you hold your phone up to your forehead with Kemba Walker of the Boston Celtics at the end of an interview. The answer on the screen was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and the clue he gave me was <laughs> they be flying on brooms and shit." <laughs> As a as a known Harry Potter guy, would you have been able to guess that? <laughs> I mean, I, I 
you certainly wouldn't have been able to pick the specific sorcerer stone, but, but you would have got Harry Potter pretty quickly. Yeah, you would you would have known it was Harry Potter. I mean, it, the man didn't lie. Kemba Kemba was right on point. They do be flying on brooms and shit in Harry Potter. As fans of Quidditch know, um, they be flying on brooms until the snitches caught. So yeah, they gotta avoid bludgers, you know, beaters. You know, three ring circuses. You ever seen those kids um, just running around fields, like doing weird Quidditch stuff like that? Yeah, there used to be some like Quidditch league in in Boston. I think they would play. Um, I think it was one of the schools, but I would drive by sometimes, and they'd actually be playing Quidditch games, which is just loser shit. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, it's just loser shit. If you've ever played Quidditch in your life. Go grab a basketball. Go shoot some hoops. It's just really hard to look cool with a broom, like holding a broom in between your legs. If you can't fly and you're running <laughs> around with a fucking broom in between your legs, you there's no point in it. But if you can fly, Quidditch would be sick. That's Quidditch, key. Quidditch would be ill. If you're flying around on brooms and shit, then Quidditch becomes cool. But yeah, if if you're just running around with a broom between your legs, just just... Just reevaluate things. Just <laughs> find find an actual sport or go go find another hobby that doesn't involve running around with a fucking broom in between your legs. All right. I think that's a great place to end it. Uh, from Jay and I, we wish you a, a happy Thanksgiving. Maybe eat something else other than turkey. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you hold like on, it. Hold on. Before you go, this is a last last question before you go. How concerned are you about Kemba right now? Scale um, of one to ten. Six point five. Ten is ten would be most concerned. Ten would be very concerned, but I'm like a little bit more concerned that I'd I'll probably willing to let on. Like, so are you are you actually more than a six point five? Are you just saying six point five, or yeah. are you? Yeah, but I have to kind of keep some sports positivity here. But the fact that he had a four month rest. And then came back and still wasn't a hundred percent in the playoffs when they'd had the whole ramp up and like basically minutes restriction doesn't give me a lot of confidence for what he's going to do after 72 games of this year. And so 7.5 concern level for, uh, for me here. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's right to be concerned. I, I do think that, when he did take time on the knee, he definitely got better. Like he, he had his burst early in the bubble. Like he had it. He was getting by guys. It wasn't until later in the playoffs that things kind of caught up to him. Um, so I, I just think the Celtics need to be super mindful of that all season long, and and make sure that no matter how much time he needs to miss, and he hates missing games. Like that that dude just loves to play basketball games. Just sit him. Just fucking sit him. Just just make sure that he takes his time and builds up that strength in his leg, around his knee, and and that is the most important thing by far from this entire season. Seeding doesn't matter as much. Like Jason Tatum's going to do what he does, and Jalen Brown's going to do what he does, and young guys are going to get better. But from a standpoint of competing in the playoffs next season, I'm not sure anything matters more than Kemba Walker being healthy by the time the playoffs arrive and being able to stay that way throughout the run. So I concur. 
you really kind of cut me off on the on the outro there. So I'm just going to say thank you for listening to this episode of Anything Is Potable!